when I began to write a talk a few weeks ago, knowing this would be our last Heart Sutra time together. I had stumbled upon the last talk I gave before the pandemic and remembered that I was in Mexico City. I sent it to you all by audio recording. And uh, when I came home that next day through the airport in San Francisco, I was very shocked to see no one in the airport. I had been questioned heavily before I left Mexico City about had I been in China. This was also rather shocking. And just to say that I I felt it was important at that time to talk about grief and particularly to talk about it in terms of race. So much has happened in the two years since that talk. So much grief. Unthinkable at the time. Ungraspable, undefinable. Think about it, what has happened in your life in these two long, confusing, upending years. So then, as I began to write the talk, I I was diverted a bit, and my horizon widened last week when Wendy brought Lex Hickson and his beautiful book, The Mother of All Buddhas, about the Prajnaparamita. and his wonderful list of all the words that signaled the meaning of the Prajnaparamita, which he also tells us is beyond our understanding of meaning in the linear way that we normally think. He says it's the pure presence truth which can never be described, never exactly thought about or indicated in any way. So that's what we have been studying these last seven weeks. And I remembered Lex Hickson guiding me by that radio program and by that free paper to find the path of Zen, inviting people who he didn't know to his house on the banks of the Hudson River 
to come and listen to Bernie Glassman, who we called Tetsigan in those days, who was moving to New York at the request of his teacher, Maizumi Roshi, to begin a new Zen community. So I began to write the talk a little differently. I wanted to dedicate it to Lex. And then I realized the day before yesterday that it was my father's 103rd birthday. I began to miss my father who has been dead many years. And then yesterday to mark on my altar uh, the death of my mother. And the death of my former brother-in-law on the same day. He was a person born with Down syndrome who lived to be in his late 30s, which is sometimes very unusual for Down syndrome people who tend to have pulmonary weakness and then disease. And though he never met her, he was fascinated always by my mother and would ask me, to tell him about her. And he would always cry. He was one of those 360 degree globes of love who come into the world. Pure presence. to break our hearts open. And then hearing that war had been declared. Unthinkable. Ungraspable. As Lex says, unlocatable, unreachable, uncalibratable. I felt that disbelief, as many of you must have felt it too. It is the first invasion since World War II of a European country. It is the first huge threat of land being challenged, of language, of culture, of life being rejected 
as valid. This morning I was listening to the New York Times podcast, The Daily, which I often do. And the word that is being used apparently is as propaganda, the Nazization. The blame on Ukraine for their wish to have their language and culture and land and to embrace that is being characterized in this most disturbing way. So I think it came to me that I think it's John Lennon who said life happens when you're busy making plans. I'm just sitting here watching the Dharma wheel go round and round. And I thought, well, No, all of this is pointing me back to that beautiful talk that Joan Sutherland gave some time ago that was printed in Buddha Dharma in the fall, I think, of 2019, which is where I had started that talk in Mexico City. She says, we're entering a time of unimaginable losses, including the possible end of human life on earth. If we hope to change this, we have to reckon with the fact that whatever we're doing now isn't working. We're fearful that we're going off the cliff And then she says that it's possible that our fear and our sorrow help us bear the grief. But she says if we avoid it, that's what Wendy was talking about in her meditation. If we turn away, that's really what weakens us. And grieving won't stop us from acting and speaking out, but it will change how we do it. It makes a great difference how we express our grief, how we share it, how we admit it. Some of it's so personal. We hardly talk about it as people in our culture. We hardly admit We carry it. It's so human. It's such a relief when we can say it to others. Just even bringing forth the thought of my father and my mother 
both very ill for so much of their lives. And then to recall my brother-in-law, Bruce. When my then husband described a dream that he had at Bruce's funeral, he said that he had a dream as a young person that he was in a locker room and that there was a coach talking to a team and he was on the team and the coach said, I've just sent a kid down there who's retarded and he's a love bomb and I need somebody to go down there and take care of him when he explodes all over. And my then husband raised his hand and said, I'd like to go. And he took care of his brother. They were only 11 months apart. His brother died in his arms. And the grief that he carried, the grief they carried carried together being brothers, was filled with love and laughter. and a sense of their overcoming the obstacles that they had together. And it really transformed everyone who came into contact with their relationship. So I went back again to this article by Joan, a talk that begins, Grief is a Buddha. Not something to learn lessons from, but just the way it is sometimes. The spirit and body of a season in the world. A season of the heart-mind. A Buddha. Grief is a Buddha. Joy is a Buddha. Anger is a Buddha. Peace is a Buddha. In the koans we study, we're meant to become intimate with all the Buddhas, to climb into them and let them climb into us. Burn them for warmth. Make love with them. Kill them. Find one sitting in the center of the house. Greet them. And you're not meant to cure the grief Buddha, nor it you. You're meant to find out what it is to be part of a season of your heart-mind. A season in the world. A season stained and dyed by grief. Made holy by grief. Made holy by grief. Look at the season we are in right now. Let us see ourselves 
with all people who are suffering from war. All those who are leaving their homes this morning, taking with them their papers, their passports, their phones, their computers, their kitties, their puppies, their children. On the daily podcast, there's a man who takes bread and milk and dill and sour cream. He closes the door and he says, I may never see this place again. Imagine, imagine that is us. Unthinkable, pure presence, truth. It is us. So this morning, let's remember our grief. Let's share our uncertainty and know that it's a way to strengthen who we are as one world, indivisible. uncategorically united. As we stand in this place of all the rivers, all the birdsong, all the mycelium, all the bees, bringing us this message of grief is a Buddha. We are united. Totally interconnected. As we listen to what will be affected by this invasion into Ukraine, we hear oil and gas, different imports and exports, ways in which the world to us is somewhat invisibly connected, but will become more visible in the weeks to come. Let's strengthen how we are connected in the weeks to come. Let's go into small groups now and talk about our grief and the ways in which we want to be more connected in the weeks to come. 